me ask you a question. Why, why is the spiritual life so hard? Why is it so hard? I mean, the last couple of weeks we said, first you need, if you really want to worship God, you need a, a hunger. You need to say, Lord, I want more and I want more and I want more of you. And then last week we said you also need that expectation that God is actually going to do something. That God is going to show up because of that hunger and do something in your life. But even if you have the hunger and the expectation, sometimes the spiritual life can be so difficult, so hard. Why is it? Why, is, why do we struggle so much with our faith? Because I think if you're honest, faith is a struggle. Anybody where it comes really easy? You know, you're a powerhouse of faith and it's just easy for you? It's not, is it? It's a struggle. We want to do things, even Paul, the great apostle Paul said, I I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I really want to do. He struggles. And if he struggled with all his faith, then it's not surprising that we do as well. Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, we can have that up on the screen. Wonderful. It says on this, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Bible says it's going to be a struggle. The Bible says we're engaged in a spiritual battle. And that battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another, but it's against, it's in the spiritual realm. And so there is going to be a struggle in the spiritual realm. Some of you today have agreed to be godparents. It's going to be a struggle for you to to actually live that out in your life day by day. Because there's going to be part of you that says, you know, oh, it's nice to come along there. But then there's this other part of you that goes, actually, I've got to take this seriously. And we all made a commitment to Leo as well. We have to take that seriously. How can we be the people that Leo and others need to look up to? It's a struggle. And sometimes we feel like we're winning and sometimes we feel like we're losing. There's a spiritual struggle that goes on. Now, do you know where the arena of that struggle is? Where is the arena where that struggle goes out? You know, there was a a fantasy football league struggle this year. I hate to bring it back up again, but it's just come into my head. I see Alan standing there, sitting there, and it's like, oh, you know? There was a struggle, and the Fantasy Football League, and that was the arena where the struggle took place. I wouldn't like to think the number of hours this man spent checking out who was playing, who's not likely to play, who's on form, who's not on form, all these things. There was a struggle, and that was the arena. But where is the struggle of faith? Where is the arena for that? Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke 22. If you got them, it'll be on the screen as well. Luke 22, this is just before Jesus is taken away, arrested, and then eventually to the cross. 
In the upstairs room, he says these words, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, all of you, as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You see, the arena of faith, the arena of the battle and the struggle of faith happens up here in your mind. The enemy came to Jesus and said, or to God and said, look, I want to I wanna sift these disciples of yours. And God said, okay. And so like the enemy then takes them and throws them up. And what's the enemy's aim? The enemy's aim is always the same. To destroy your faith. 1 Peter 5, look at this. 1 Peter 5, it says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm. Where? In your faith. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You see, the devil, the enemy wants to get you and destroy your faith. He's not interested in your life. He's not interested in your lifestyle. He's not interested in your bank account. He's not interested in your health. He's not interested in anything. The only thing the enemy wants to do is to destroy your faith. That's his sole aim and goal. That's it. He says, I'm going to look at David. I want to destroy his faith. I want his faith to be so, even if I can't destroy it completely, I want it to be so weak and ineffective that he can do nothing for God. That's what the enemy does. He, he rolls around like a lion. Don't know if you've ever been in a game park and seen lion. You must have seen it on television. Those lion, those pride of lions, what do they do? They look for the weak one. They look for the one that's injured. They look for the one that's all alone or they try and get one all alone. And when they've got their eyes on that one, what do they do? They go after it and they devour it and kill it. The enemy wants to do that with your faith. And God wants to do the opposite. God's aim is this. Let's have a look at the next one from Matthew. He replied, this is Jesus, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, mustard seeds are tiny, You can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move because nothing will be impossible for you. You see, God wants your faith to be so strong, so powerful, so rooted in Him that you can say, even if it's as tiny as a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, go throw yourself over there and it will be done for you. That's how God wants your faith to be. The enemy wants your faith to be weak, useless, pointless. And there's this spiritual battle that goes on inside your mind as well as in your spirit. John 14, I think, is the next one. 
Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. Jesus said, you're going to do even bigger things, even more things if you have faith than even he did in his life. You have a battle going on in your mind. Who's going to win that battle? Now the battle is for faith. And Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for, or certain of what we do not see. I think it's on next. Sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. It's about trusting in God above everything else in your life. And there's a battle that goes on in your mind every time that has that opportunity. Am I going to trust God or am I not going to trust God? Where am I going to put my trust? How's how's it going to look? Where's it going to go? Many of you know was away with my wife in Sri Lanka recently and Mike asked me last week to share a little bit. So I'm going to share with you something about what we were doing in Sri Lanka. We were invited by a pastor to go and minister in the church there. Now this is a church that has grown in the last, I think, eight years, six, eight years from 50 to 4,000 people. It's just had this tremendous growth. It's grown for two ways. One, because they focus on the Word of God. And secondly, because they have an expectation to see the Spirit of God move in signs and wonders. And when we were there on the, uh, we were asked to, I was asked to preach on the Sunday night at one of their services, and that was cool. And then we were invited to the Tuesday service. Now the Tuesday service is their miracle service. They hold it, their church is not big enough, so they have to hold it in uh, the center of Colombo. And there's over a thousand people that come to that service. It's live streamed, you can pick it up on a Tuesday afternoon if you want to watch it on your computers. But we were there in that service, and if you show the next uh, slide, they preach, they sing, and then this fellow was there. He had a Stroke. And that's Pastor Jerome there on the left. And this guy had a stroke and he couldn't speak. He couldn't utter one word. And he, he was deaf in one ear, in his right ear. And Pastor Jerome prayed for him and said, In the name of Jesus, be healed. And he started whispering into his ear that he couldn't hear. He started whispering, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And as he prayed for this man, so the man's tongue started to speak, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then he started whispering in his ear, one, two, three, four, five. And the man started speaking, one, two, three, four, five. He hadn't spoken for three years. But because of the prayers of the people there, and because of the ministry of God working in that situation, this man started to speak. Can we have the next one? This woman, I think she was in a wheelchair, prayed, 
Up she got, started walking backwards and forwards, out of her wheelchair, didn't need it anymore. Next one. This guy in the white, he's not even a believer in Jesus Christ. This fella is a Buddhist, and he had a massive ulcer on his leg the week before, and he came back this week because they prayed for his leg, and he came back and he showed everybody, and he told everybody that his leg was completely healed in one week. The doctors said it would take at least six years because of his age and his condition to fully heal up. And in one week, his leg was completely healed. It was amazing to see the power of God at work in people's lives. While we were there, and we had an opportunity to to pray. Now the thing was, that was on the Tuesday night. And they said to me, on the Wednesday night, we hold another prayer, miracle, and deliverance service. And we want you to lead it. And you to pray for the sick. And you to see the sick people become well again. So on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, I spent the day praying. And a battle started going on in my head. The struggle of faith. Lord, what happens if nothing happens? I mean, I can preach. That's not a problem. I do that all the time. But the ministry bit, what happened? I've seen it with my own eyes. I experienced it the night before. What happens, Lord, if I stand up and I start praying for people and nothing happens? I'm going to look an idiot. I'm gonna, they're going to look at me and think, like, who is this guy that's come from England? What's going to happen? And so I prayed, and I prayed, and I struggled, and I struggled. And that is the struggle of faith. Some of you are sick, and you struggle with, is God going to heal me? Could God heal me? Why would God heal me? And you struggle with what you've been told by the doctors and the medical people, and what you believe in your heart God wants to do in your life. Some of you struggle with other things. Some of you struggle with self-esteem. And you struggle because you think, actually, I'm no good. I'm rubbish. What can I do? Everybody just looks down on me. Even though the Word of God says that you are beautifully made and God sings over you because He's so pleased with His creation in you. And yet you struggle and you go, oh yeah, but that's, that's the Word of God. But what I see around me is something different. That's the struggle of faith. The struggle in your head, who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe God and His Word? Or am I going to believe what I see and what I feel and what I, what I, what's around me in humanity? What people have told me, those words. What are you going to believe in? And I had that same struggle. God said I can move mountains. Would he? Would he do that through me? Why would he do that through me? I mean, I know he does that through Pastor Jerome and all that, but why would he do that through me? What happens if he doesn't do that through me? 
What's going to happen? And so you struggle and struggle and struggle. that day I struggled I said Lord do something and God said to me he said David it's nothing about you it's all about him he said you can't do anything anyway you can't heal anybody you can't release anybody you can't do anything just trust me that I'm going to use you on the Wednesday night the way because you're there you're available and then on the Wednesday night we preached and then after that we had a, an altar call for people to come forward for prayer and so many people stood up there wasn't enough space at the front do the next screen and so we spent the evening praying for people praying for needs, praying for release. And some people who we'd prayed for at previous meetings came back because they said to us, you know what? When you prayed, God just came upon me and answered those prayers. I want some more prayer. Please, can you pray for this as well? It's like God saying to us, David, why, why are you so worried? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, with thanksgiving presented to God and we were there myself and Inika praying for hours with people afterwards and many others were too but that is the struggle of faith today I want to talk to you about how we gain victory in that struggle because every one of us goes through that struggle now, the first thing is this. Look at what it says back in Luke. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. The power of the enemy is limited. He has to ask God to be able to even come upon you and put you in those situations. He can't just do it. He has to go to the Father, like in the book of Job, and ask him and say, I want to sift this person. See, Tim here, I want to sift him. Jenny, I want to sift her. Now, sometimes God says, okay. Now, why? Why do you think God would say okay to that? Why does God allow? Why did God allow Satan to sift Simon or the disciples? Why? So he could grow. Exactly. The only way you grow is when you are in that situation where your faith is tested. It's when it's strengthened. You get what I'm saying? It's when you go in there and you test it, it's when you stretch it to the limit that it grows a bit further. It's like when you're in the gym and you're pushing weights, you know, and you feel like you stop, need to stop, but you do an extra one. It was like when I trained about 15 years ago to run the Harrow Half Marathon. You know, you go around once around the park 
and your body's going, yeah, that's okay. Second time your body's going and your head's going, this is ridiculous. What do you think you're playing at? You haven't got a physique that is of a runner. What do you think you're doing? And your mind says, stop, 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 stop. Just go and, you know, watch it on the TV, for goodness sake. Who are you trying to kid? But if you persevere and you push through that, and you get into the third lap and the fourth lap and the fifth lap, and you get to the point where you want to stop, but you keep going, one more lap, then I'll stop. Then you grow. And it's the same in your faith. Your faith never grows unless you go through those moments. So God allows us or allows the enemy to sift us sometimes so that we can grow. God placed me in Sri Lanka in a situation where my faith had to grow. I thank him for that. I didn't thank him at the time, but I thank him now. Because I was in that moment of, Lord, what? Struggle. But in that struggle, because I trusted in God, I saw the results and so did other people. But know this, that you will never be put in a struggle. You'll never be put in a situation where your faith is not sufficient for that situation. The enemy is limited. He cannot put you anywhere where your present faith is not sufficient to see you through. He will never let you sink to the bottom where you can't get up. You will always, always be in that position where your faith is sufficient. And every struggle is an opportunity to grow. But you don't just need to wait for those opportunities. There's things we can do. The first thing, or the second thing, first is we grow through opportunities. Second is this, in Romans 12. Oh, sorry, in 1 Peter. Let's go to Romans 12, the next one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and viewers, God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So the second thing we can do, first we grow by going through the struggle. Secondly, we can grow. When you open yourselves up, when you allow God to transform your mind, when you ask Him, you say, Lord, I want to grow. Lord, I want to grow in you. Show me, teach me how I can grow. Open my mind to the things of you so that I can understand them more. Help me to grow. And so we ask Him. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. And so ask God, help us. Say, Lord, I want my faith stronger and stronger. I want a faith that can move mountains. I want a faith that is so strong that I don't have to struggle any longer because I just trust you 100%. Ask Him. Third thing you can do is this, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Or consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the Word about Christ. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. The amount of time and energy you spend in God's Word will be relational to the amount or the level of faith that you have. 
If your time and energy in God's Word consists of one hour on a Sunday morning, your level of faith will be one hour on a Sunday morning kind of faith. It will be immature and weak and useless. If you immerse yourself in the Word of God, if you read the Word of God over and over and over, if you allow the Word of God to come into you, it grows your faith. Because you have His promises like this at your fingertips. You know. You know what He's promised you. And so you claim those promises for yourself. You say, Lord, you've promised never to let me down. You've promised never to leave me. Never to take me out the palm of your hand. Lord, even though I don't know what's going to happen, I trust you because I know your promises. And you've promised You've promised that you'll never make an idiot of me in front of others. You won't take me to Sri Lanka and let me fail. Because your word says you won't do that. You love me. You care for me. I trust in your promises. I rest my life on your promises. But if you don't read the word, how do you know his promise? How do you know his promises for you? There's thousands of them in here. Have you got them up here so that you can claim them? So that when that doubt comes, you go, ah, that's not going to happen because of the promises of God. That's what Jesus did in the temptations. God's promise says this. God's promise says this. God's promise says this. You can tempt me all you like. You can get that voice in my head that says I might not be able to do it. But God's promise says this. Know his promise. Immerse yourself in the word of God. You want to have a strong faith? Then you need to know the word of God well. I do not know a single person with a strong faith and a weak knowledge of the scriptures. It's just impossible. It is impossible. You need to know the scriptures. And lastly, this, in James, it says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. For some of us, that would be a blessing. But you don't do that, do you? You know what you look like. You look in the mirror and you go, hey, Not bad today, looking pretty good. Bags under the eyes have gone. Don't need too much makeup this morning. I think an extra strand of hair is growing down the middle somewhere. You know, and you look and you stare at yourself and you remember what you look like when you go out. You know. But he said, if you don't do what the word says, it's like, It's like you immediately forget. God says, do this. And you go, "Mm, no, I don't think so. I I just ignore that. that's, That's a bit inconvenient for me. He says, obedience is critical. Obey what it says. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law, into the scriptures that give freedom, And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. 
If you live your life according to the promises and the word of God, the promises for you that you will be blessed and you will be a blessing. You want to have a blessed life? Follow this. It's all there. It's not rocket science. It's the way God set it up to be. Follow it and do it. And you will receive the blessing in your life. See, obedience is like that daily walk. That daily walk where you get up in the morning and you say, who am I going to choose to follow today? Am I going to go God's way? Am I going to go my way? Which way is it? And it's obedience in those opportunities that he gives you. You know, in Sri Lanka, I could have just preached and then said, oh, no, we kind of don't do ministry quite the same way. You just handle the ministry time. Oh, no, no, like, uh, let, let's get everybody else to do ministry. Let me just call forward the ministry team and I'll slip off. But no, God says, David, you do it. You know what happened? I preached. 200 people stood up in response. So I kind of went like this and I went, Lord, just bless these people in the name of Jesus. Amen. And God said to me, he said, David, that's not good enough. Go lay your hands on each one of them and pray for them. I went, Lord, I'm going to be here till like Friday doing that. There's like 200 people. Like, what am I going to do? So I called the ministry. We're going to go to them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to lay hands on them and let God just do the work in their lives that they need to do. And that moment of going to where people were at and praying with them, there was such a release and such a power of God's Spirit moving in that place. The people who had been bound for years and years and years because other people had hurt them because they'd gone off, gone astray and messed up. That night they received their release and their freedom in Jesus Christ. People who were sick received healing because God's Spirit worked in that place through us, through others that were there. Praise be to God. Let's go just back to Luke one last time. Simon, Simon, Simon the reed, not Peter the rock. Satan has asked to sift all of you. But you know what? When you're going through that struggle, who's praying for you? Jesus. Jesus prays for Simon. He prays that his faith may not fail. That even though he was going to go out and deny Jesus, even though he was going to go and mess up, and actually he was going to fail in that moment, still in the future he was going to turn back. And what does he say? When you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen them. I've got work for you to do in their lives as well. When you may fail in this struggle of faith in this instant, but that's not the end of the story. I'm going to turn you around and you're going to go back and you're going to be stronger and bolder than you were ever before. And through that, you're going to strengthen your brothers and your sisters. So what about you today? What are you struggling with in your faith? What's God saying to you today? Maybe today you're in a situation where your faith is just being pulled. 
Lord, I want to be, but this is happening. Lord, can I really trust your promises? I've heard so much other stuff. Lord, I want to be like this, but what about you? God doesn't want you to spend your life struggling in your faith. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to be like Jesus. Jesus was at the far end. Yes, he was tempted, but he knew the promises of God. He knew what God wanted him to do. He knew that place that he had with his Father. And God wants that for you today. I want you just to close your eyes. Just think, where are you today with Jesus? wrestling in your spirit in your mind what's he saying to you today if you need prayer if you need someone to stand with you if you're struggling and you want somebody to say the words of Jesus into your life special about coming out the front except that it's a it's an acknowledgement before God Lord I want to change Lord I want more of you Lord I'm not satisfied where I am right now I need you I'm struggling with this and I want this breakthrough in my life sings there'll be people here to pray with you and encourage you and ask God to give you just as Jesus prayed for Peter God will come and speak into your life and give you that breakthrough in that struggle